Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Thank you for joining us here at Trinity Bible Church this morning. We praise our Lord for a brand new day of life, and which means that we have an opportunity to worship Him together. It's good to see great fellowship and... um, Remember that we do have our coffee fellowship before service. You're always welcome to join us a little early and uh, just get to catch up with people you haven't seen in a while or perhaps meet some, uh, some new friends. And so we're grateful for this opportunity. Um, Lord willing, this is the beginning of a new week for you of worshiping and honoring God. And we're going to worship the Lord in uh, different ways this morning. We will do so by the reading of his word in just a moment, because we bless him and we worship him by hearing his word, uh, listening to it and um, considering it in our minds and hearts. We worship the Lord through music, and we'll do that in a moment too, as we sing songs of praise to our God, which is good and fitting for his people to do together. We will worship God through continued fellowship and, of course, through prayer. Um, We will have a special message this morning from God's Word about uh, the importance of prayer, especially during difficult times, and how we can trust in our God um, to bring about His will even during times of distress and difficulty. But we say thank you for joining us this morning and choosing to worship our God here in this place. We are grateful for the new day of life. We're grateful for uh, all of the resources and blessings that God has given to Trinity. Uh, As I read the word of the Lord this morning, let it be our call to worship. Let it be uh, our opportunity to get our hearts and our minds right before him. You know, I think it's clear and obvious, right, that when we gather together, um, we've all had kind of different experiences this morning and throughout the week, and some of us kind of rush in, and some of us have been able to have a beautiful, calm morning with the Lord and with others, and 
No matter what your um, heart condition is and, and where you are in your mind right now, um, just allow these words that I'm going to read from Psalm 46 to be words of encouragement and uh, words of a call into worshiping our God together. So listen to these words as I read them aloud. This is uh, selected verses from Psalm 46. It is entitled, God, Our Fortress. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble, and it's swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you stand with me now? I'd like to pray us into a time of worship. And let's honor God who is our strength, our help, and our fortress. Father God, we thank you for the beauty and the power of your word. God, we are reminded here in these holy scriptures that you are our help, ever present for us in times of difficulty and distress and trouble. You are our fortress. You are our rock. You are the Lord God of Jacob who is our fortress. You protect us during times of difficulty. You Keep our minds set on things above. You are the God who promises us a peace that passes all understanding if we are simply to come before you with our prayers and petitions with a heart full of thankfulness. So that is what we do now, Father. We turn our hearts towards you and we say thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for the many things that you have done in our life, the many blessings throughout the week and even already this morning in ways that we will never see or have yet to recognize. You have truly been caring for us, watching over us, and blessing us. Thank you for being our fortress and our God. May you be praised. May you be glorified. May you be blessed. Father, as we join our voices and our hearts together as one now in worship, oh, Father, we desire that it would be a sweet sound to your ear. So we pray these things in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We do so for your glory, Father, and we do so in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. Church, let's remain standing and worship our God together this morning.
Praise the Lord. Amen. His name is powerful, right? Praise God. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. Hallelujah. if we can uh, make our way back to our seats. It's uh, so great to be able to worship the Lord together, isn't it? And uh, as our young ones have uh, made their way down the hall, we pray for them. We thank God for their teachers and their leaders and uh, for their opportunity to worship the Lord together and uh, to read scripture and uh, to pray and to sing. And so we're grateful for that ministry here at Trinity. Uh, and uh, it, again, it is good, right? It's good and right to praise the Lord together, and uh, hopefully that you have been blessed already uh, through that time of worship through music. And we're going to continue uh, to lift up that name of Jesus, that wonderful, powerful name that we were just singing about. Uh, before we um, get into the message for this morning, just a, a few things to highlight. Uh, we just want to thank all of the, the women who participated in the bike ride yesterday, this Sunrise bike ride and walk, and so um, praise the Lord, it was, uh, I heard that it was a great event, saw lots of pictures, and uh, thank you to all the ladies who participated and uh, had some time together of enjoying uh, God's beautiful creation and uh, some time together of fellowship and around His Word and uh, awesome breakfast. So um, thank you, ladies, for participating and putting that together. Um, Also, uh, just a reminder that we have our young adults uh, group that is uh, a combined ministry with the Allenwood Church, our friends right down the road, we try to do a 
a few things with them throughout the year, but we have this new ministry that we are um, creating with them, and so we gather every other Tuesday. We'll have one more gathering a week from this coming Tuesday, and so if you any, know any young adults that um, haven't yet come out and they're maybe interested, just come and see me and let me know, and then we'll be starting something up uh, in September, just regular gatherings uh, as uh, just a means of fellowship and discipleship and learning and growing and serving together, so praise God for that. Um, also, we have our retreats coming up, so remember that. The information is all on our website, trinityallenwood.com, and you can um, get all the info, and you can register there, and you can uh, put your deposit down or, or pay for the retreat in full if you'd like. But for the men's retreat, October 13th to 15th, down at Harvey Cedars Bible Conference. So please uh, put that on your calendar, guys, and um, go ahead and go to the website to get all of the information, including the cost and the dates and a bit of the schedule. But uh, we wanted to make sure that you save the date for that. Ladies, have a retreat the week before that. That is uh, the Saturday and Sunday, October 7th and 8th at our home. That's uh, uh, here in Brick. And so uh, make sure, ladies, that you save that date. Also, all the information is on our website. And uh, just a great opportunities for these retreats to get away to get to know each other, to grow deeper in the Lord together as you search the scriptures uh, and share stories. Good opportunity to invite uh, some family and uh, friends that you've been sharing your faith with. And so please make a note of that um, for those two retreats and check out our website. We also, of course, have uh, some of our, our ministries for the fall returning. And so September 5th, which is coming up quicker than you would think, uh, that Tuesday, we'll be starting our men's and women's Tuesday morning Bible studies. We've been doing this for a long time now, and these are important uh, parts of our ministry to men and our ministry to women. And so the men gather from 6.30 to 7.30 every Tuesday morning, and the women gather at, from 9.30 to 11. Uh, we'll be studying uh, a few different books this season, including Daniel, Colossians, I think First and Second Thessalonians. And so uh, make a note of that, especially if you haven't been out before. These are great opportunities to dig deeper into the Word of God together. And so uh, please make a note of that, that they begin again on September 15th after our short break for the summer. And then finally, just the last announcement for this morning that you've been hearing us announce this, but next week, uh, next Sunday, the 20th of August at 5 p.m., we'll be meeting in Lakewood downtown, right in the center of Lakewood, uh, for an outreach. And uh, every month, our missions team puts together some uh, opportunity to reach out to our community. Because you know that we serve missionaries locally and globally, but we are all really called to be missionaries and to share the gospel and to share our testimony. And so uh, this coming Sunday will be our gospel and blessing bag giveaway. And so you don't have to go online to register, but if you are interested, you can see Andrew or Elizabeth, who oversee our missions team and uh, we'll be just gathering a, a little bit after the service next week to pray, give you more instructions. But we will all be meeting at 5 p.m. in the center of Lakewood uh, to gather to pray, uh, to share the gospel, to give away blessing bags, and uh, just to, to meet our friends, especially those that are struggling with homelessness or um, you know, struggling with in, in poverty to any level or degree. And so we want to be a blessing to our neighbors there in uh, Lakewood. So please make a note of that as well, all right? And so this is gonna be our scripture in just a moment. But um, perhaps if you go to our website and see where we're gonna be in our series, 
You know that we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, um, but today we're going to take a break from that. Uh, we'll resume next week. We've been going through the temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, but I wanted to take this opportunity to share a special message, uh, something different, um, and uh, it's about um, the wildfires that have been going on in Maui, in Hawaii. Uh, most of you are aware of that when following the news and I wanted to share some thoughts about that and uh, some things that our family in particular have been learning about what God is doing there in the, in the midst of this tremendous um, tragedy. And I want to share uh, with you some words of hope and words of encouragement that, um, that are applicable during any time of difficulty in our personal lives or whether it's something that is uh, national, like this, that affects many, many people. Um, before we get to our scripture for today, um, I want to tell you about Henry. Henry Apuka'ahi was 10 years old when his parents were killed in a tribal war in Hawaii. And shortly after that, in the year 1807, Henry escaped on a boat that was headed for Connecticut here on the mainland. When he came to um, Connecticut, he became educated and he was taken in by leaders of what um, is, uh, was just new as Yale University. And there were some um, pastors who had befriended him and took him in and helped him to become educated, not only in things uh, that you would learn in school, but also of Christianity. And during the, the Second Great Awakening that happened in our country during that time, Henry was converted and became a believer in Jesus Christ. And at that time, from that time on till the rest of his life, his prayers were that he would be able to return his native land of Hawaii and be able to bring the gospel because up until that point, the gospel had not come to the islands of Hawaii. And so he prayed these fervent prayers for many years as he was growing in the Lord and growing in his education. And he would go around and speak all throughout New England at different churches and conferences about the islands of Hawaii and about their need for Jesus Christ. He taught them all about their traditions and things that they believe, their forms of religion. But unfortunately, Henry didn't get a chance to realize that dream. In uh, 1818, he died uh, unexpectedly, and... However, his prayers and his longing for the gospel in his native land continued. And the following year, the year after he died in 1819, the first missionaries set sail from Connecticut because of his great influence to the islands of Hawaii. And from there, the gospel quickly spread. It's an amazing beginning to an amazing story about how the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ came to those islands so far away and so unknown at that time. His prayers changed the course of history 
and change the course of the history of Christianity in our known world as it came to the islands of Hawaii. Church today, those islands, especially the island of Maui, needs our prayers. Would you agree with that? Much prayer is needed. I want to take a moment before I share from God's Word to let you know that um, there was an email that was sent out to all of you that um, we have on our email list and was posted on the, uh, the homepage of our website, Ways That You Can Pray. Our family has put together uh, some information about how you can specifically pray, and if you are moved to give financially, which is probably the greatest way that we can give in addition to praying, um, there's information on there about how you can give to um, to a, a Christian mission there in Hawaii and Maui that is in the trenches now helping to bring um, hope and helping to bring aid to those uh, in desperate need. And so please uh, check your email for the information. It's also on the homepage of our website at the very top. There's a banner, and you can just click on that, and it'll give you all the information Included in that, uh, on that information, are QR codes. If you know how to use those, you just put your phone camera up to it, and it will bring you to a link that will show you a map of the world. There's one for our country and one for, uh, uh, which is a global map that shows you all of the locations where people are praying for what's going on in Maui. We began this sort of this prayer chain and reached out to friends that we have around the globe and missionaries that we know, and it's amazing to see how um, this has spread because we know the power of prayer, don't we? And we know that God's people need to be praying. So I encourage you, check that out in your email or on the website. Be encouraged when you look at those maps of all the places around the world where people and churches are gathering to pray specifically for uh, the great needs in Maui. I want to share a little bit about our daughter, Lauren, and her husband, Ben. Many of you know that uh, Lauren, our eldest daughter, and her husband, Ben, live on the island of Maui. And uh, their home is about 20 minutes away from Lahaina Town. Lahaina Town is that historic town, also known as a big tourist area in Maui that was completely destroyed. If you've been watching the news and, and following it all, you know they keep talking about that small town, and uh, it has been completely decimated by the wildfires. I think as of this morning, uh, the, the, uh, the deaths attributed to the fire in the 90s, 93, um, and what we hear is that it will most likely grow as uh, they continue their search and rescue efforts. Lauren and Ben moved to Hawaii a few years ago to work with a Christian mission called the Maui Rescue Mission. And uh, they've served with them, and th that mission serves mainly the homeless population. We call them uh, th those uh, our friends that are struggling with homelessness and, um, uh, and with poverty. And there is a great... Um, there's a great need for that. Traditionally in Hawaii, there's a large um, homeless population in Hawaii, if you didn't know. And so on the island of Maui, it's no different. And so they are there to help. And as you can imagine, when these wildfires broke out, and especially when it overtook Lahaina Town, uh, it um, devastated the whole island. 
um, and it just has devastated them in their morale and their emotions. And uh, Lauren and Ben um, and the people that work with this mission, of course, since then, since the beginning of last week, have been serving tirelessly, have been praying. Their church, Hope Chapel, which is one of the larger churches on the island of Maui, opened. Actually, Lauren and Ben started this 24-hour prayer room where people have been coming day and night to just gather in this small room in the church to pray, to pray um, without ceasing for uh, the people there of Maui and for the families who have lost loved ones, who have lost all worldly possessions, who have nowhere to go. You've seen pictures of a line of cars a mile long of people waiting to get back into the town when it is safe. They are sleeping in their cars because they have nowhere to go. Um, Shelters are either overrun or people aren't aware of them yet. Um, There are still over, I think, 1,200 people that are unaccounted for. We don't know if family members just don't know if if they were lost or if they're um, in um, shelters and can't communicate. There's no cell service on that west side of of Maui. And so um, the situation is very fluid. It's ongoing. You've seen as of this morning, um, most of the fires are not completely contained, but they're almost there. But still some are popping up. And so the first responders and the firefighters are um, are working tirelessly. And uh, Lauren, our daughter who works uh, with the Maui Rescue Mission, is their communications and marketing director. And um, she was interviewed on CNN and on CBS. You can uh, Google her name, Lord, Lauren Wattell, uh, interview for CNN or CBS. You'll see those videos come up. And she was able to praise God in her interview on these national stations. She was able to, yeah, praise the Lord. She was able to get the urgent message across about what Maui Rescue is doing, what the needs are on the ground. As you can imagine, it's hard to grasp the full picture of the tragedy just through the news. They're doing, I know, the best they can. And, but, um, but Lauren and Ben have told us that the, um, the, the, the destruction and the devastation is worse than we realize, worse than we can imagine. I think that they say that that will continue to come out as the days progress this week, as we see more pictures and hear more. Um, but they are there and just recently gained access to that area of Lahaina Town and uh, being able to assist with those in desperate need. Um, but when she was interviewed, she was able to share about that, but she also was able to praise the Lord, share um, for around the world uh, the fact that God is in control and that they are trusting in Jesus because their mission in particular is focused on praying and on helping those in need. And so we just ask that you continue to pray uh, for all that is happening there. And uh, as updates come in from Lauren and Ben, we will share those with you. We'll send out emails. Um, But again, you can go to our website and uh, see specifically how you can pray, how you can give financially, and to see those maps of around the world, how prayer is continuing to spread. It's a beautiful visual, church of the power of God and his people who pray. Amen? And so we, we want to continue to be a part of that. You know, in our um, study of Matthew, which we're taking a break from today, you remember if you were here last week, we, um, we had covered the baptism of Jesus, and then 
He was immediately led by the Spirit into the desert, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Then he was tempted by Satan, and we were looking at his first temptation. And you know, we have a tradition in churches, many churches um, celebrate, of course we celebrate Easter, his resurrection, but many churches remember Jesus' 40 days of fasting in the desert through a season that we call Lent. And Lent is those 40 days leading up to Easter. It's a time traditionally in many churches where we remember that uh, time of fasting of Jesus and temptation in the desert. It's a time that we may traditionally um, fast or give things up in our life as just a way to remember what it cost our Savior to give his life for us. But you know, the first day of Lent is called Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday, in many Christian traditions, they come to church and receive ashes from burnt palms um, to uh, place on their forehead as a symbol, as a remembrance of what it says in Genesis that we have come from ashes, from dust you are, and to dust you will return, it says in Genesis 3, 19. And it's a remembrance that Jesus fasted and he prayed. And the symbol is ash. Why? Because throughout the scripture, ashes have been shown as a symbol of mourning, a symbol of remembering uh, loss, the symbol of repentance. But yet, God also promises us that out of the ashes of mourning and loss in our life, God will bring beauty. And that is our focus for this morning. You know, in Luke chapter 4, you see it up there. You can turn to it in your Bibles if you like. 14 to 21, we see this this awesome picture, this account of Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. Now, we're going through Matthew, and like I said, we're going through his temptations, but these temptations happened right after his baptism, but right before he begins his earthly ministry. And in Luke, we have this account of Jesus, after the temptation, he is um, ministered to by angels, because again, he spent 40 days and nights fasting and then was tempted. And so the angels attended to him. But then Luke tells us what happens next. I want to read that to you. So Jesus returned to Galilee. Again, this is after his 40 days of fasting and temptation in the desert. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Remember, at his baptism by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove and descended onto Jesus. And so the Spirit was with him as he was ready to embark on his earthly ministry. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. He did that because that's what rabbis did. They would stand up to read the Holy Scriptures before they would sit down and teach it. That's important you keep that picture in mind. 
So he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So he's reading from Isaiah, and this is the portion he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke goes on to say, he rolled up the scroll, because that's where he stopped reading. He gave it back to the attendant, and then he sat down, because rabbis would then sit down to teach. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the scroll was handed to him in the synagogue, and it had written on it, the scroll that he opened to, the words of Isaiah, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 61. Verses 1 through 3 was the portion, I wrote a portion of that. And that's where I want to kind of park today on that next passage of Scripture. Because Jesus, when he began his earthly ministry, he went into the synagogue and he read that portion of Scripture to proclaim what he had come to do. Again, he had come, it said, to, the, uh, to bring uh, his anointing, good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled it up, and he sat down, and he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Of course, what was he proclaiming in front of all the people? That he was the fulfillment of that. See, they didn't quite understand who that scripture was talking about, but they probably would have understood it was about the coming Messiah. So Jesus began his ministry by saying he was the chosen, the anointed of God. Messiah or Christ, meaning the anointed one, the one set apart, the one that was sent. But Jesus read that portion from Isaiah 61. Let me read to you that full portion. He read, he read just a part of it. I'd like to read all three verses and talk about what does this mean? Beauty for ashes. What does that mean in Jesus' life? What does it mean in our lives? What does it mean for the people on the island of Maui? So it says in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, of course we know Isaiah was a prophet of the Old Testament, sent to proclaim judgment to the people of Israel for their disobedience, but also, of course, words of hope that after a time of judgment, a time of despair and a time of difficulty, that God would bring restoration because that is who our God is. So it says in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, or the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of despair, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The first three verses of Isaiah 61, and you can see this amazing connection that Jesus read a portion of this powerful scripture, this prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. It says to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. As I mentioned, ashes in the scriptures and even throughout the ancient world and throughout history have uh, become known as a symbol of remembrance, of mourning, of understanding that there is uh, a time of death that is required to bring about life. Those 40 days of the Lenten season symbolizing the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert. That's why often people, Christians, will pray and fast during that time. But of course, does not the season of Lent end with Easter with ends, with ends with life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The prophet Daniel also knew of sadness, of mourning and weeping. He and the people of Israel during his time had suffered under the captivity. He prayed to God on behalf of his people that God would have mercy on the people of Israel. Daniel repented on his behalf and their behalf. He confessed his own sin and his deep need for God and God's forgiveness But see, Daniel also knew, even as a young man, where his true strength and help came from. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, he says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. The truth of the gospel shines through our grief our pain, and our sin, because even though ashes may be a a reminder of death, we know that hope in God remains because there is life. That life is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to set us free. He came to redeem us, to bring us hope, He came to bring beauty from ashes. Christ releases us from the bondage that we can feel during times of sorrow. We have gotten this so deeply and so clearly from our our daughter and son-in-law and their friends that we've been in contact with on the island of Maui, the deep, deep sorrow and pain of loss. See, in Lahaina town, it's not only a big tourist town, but it is an ancient town. 
It uh, was once actually the kingdom, the, the uh, capital of the kingdom of Hawaii. It is said that on the island of Maui, everybody who lives on Maui has relatives who live in Lahaina Town. My wife, Claudia, and I have been there. We've had the, the great privilege of visiting that town. Yes, it is a big tourist town, and consider that in your prayers, that uh, not only have people lost everything and lost loved ones, but so much of Maui's economy and livelihood is based on tourism, and they need that to return quickly, but this, of course, needs to happen first. It will happen, but what another part of the devastation, this beautiful uh, town, historic town, was lost, and all that came with it. In the center of the town, there is this huge, famous banyan tree. If you don't know about banyan trees, they uh, are enormous. They can grow uh, to enormous heights, and there's something unique about them because when they grow, they, they have branches that grow outwards from the main trunk, and they grow outwards and then down to reach the ground, and over time, those branches become trunks themselves that then continue to grow. And so when you see one of these massive banyan trees, you can see the center where it all began, but all around you, you see what looks like other trees, but it's all one tree. All connected together, giving it all life. So in the center of Lahaina Town, is one of the largest banyan trees in this country and in the world. It still stands today, yet so terribly charred. It is black from the raging fires, but yet still stands. Many people are praying the tree survives because what a picture of hope it would be right in the center of this town when everything around it was burned to the ground. From that place of the banyan tree in the center of town is where people were, were then going to the beach right next to it and jumping into the ocean to escape the flames. We pray that tree remains, that perhaps the town in the future can be built around it as a symbol and a remembrance of hope. And so we see that all around us, even in the midst of ashes, from things that are no longer with us, things in your life, things in our lives that we, we mourn, that we have lost, times that we consider great difficulty and trial in our lives, perhaps you're even going through something like that today, that even in the midst of those ashes, God will bring beauty and with that beauty comes hope. Even if, church, even if our circumstances remain the same, we can still trust in the Lord. It is possible to live in the midst of a storm, the storms of life that may surround us. We can live in the midst of those storms because God is there. You remember when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples and the storm raged around them out in the middle of the sea and they were terrified that they would die. And where was Jesus? He was asleep. Did it mean he didn't care? No. 
Of course, he had great peace, and he wanted them to trust in him. We can picture that even today as we see the pictures of the devastation on the island of Maui. God promises in Isaiah 61, beauty from ashes. He promises refreshing oil of joy to replace their mourning. He offers and promises garments of praise to replace the spirit of despair. He promises that the people will one day be called trees of righteousness, like the mighty oak trees that God plants so that God can be glorified. What amazing word pictures, right? This is God, of course, in context, giving these promises to the people of Israel who are in the midst of despair because they are are in captivity and will continue to be so until God releases them. You see, and this is the, the context of what Isaiah is writing. But of course, we know that this is truly yet future to be fulfilled. Ultimately, when the Lord returns to set up his kingdom, to complete his time of judgment for his people Israel and the world, and at that time will then restore his people, those who believe and trust in him, his people Israel and all Gentile believers at that time of his second advent, his return. At that time, he will make these promises come true in their fullest sense, that he will bring beauty through the ashes of their great despair during their time of tremendous tribulation. But church, he promises that for us in Jesus Christ, doesn't he? Because in Isaiah 61, it is talking about the coming promised one. And Jesus Christ himself applied this scripture to himself. And he said, today, these scriptures have been fulfilled in your presence meaning he is the one who brings hope, him and him alone. Because is it not through his death that we have life? He has truly and ultimately brought beauty to us through ashes. We have life because he died for us. This word for beauty here in the Hebrew really refers to a headdress, maybe a a crown, a turban, a tiara, something that you would wear on your head. He's saying, I will give you a crown of beauty to replace the ashes that are on your head. Because oftentimes, people in in, uh, biblical times, they would wear ashes on their head as they would mourn and fast, pleading for God's mercy So what is God saying? He's saying there will come a time that I will replace those things. But see, isn't it beautiful? Because if he's saying that, doesn't it mean that God is recognizing that we are suffering? He's saying, I see you in your time of suffering, and one day I will replace those ashes with beauty, with a crown, to crown your head with beauty. I will replace your mourning with oil. Oil was used as anointing. It was a a common practice to be anointed with oil as a time of celebration. 
kings were anointed with oil. Saul and David, Solomon, they were anointed with oil to begin their time of kingship. God says through the prophet Isaiah that through the Messiah, we will have anointing oil on us, replacing that time of mourning, that there will be joy. Do you see the theme here? God is saying, joy is coming. Joy comes in the morning, right? After a night of weeping and distress, joy comes in the morning. It's a promise because with God, there is always hope. So he promises that there will be beauty for ashes, oil of joy to refresh us, to cleanse us, to make us ready for God's blessings. He also says that he will give us garments of praise to replace the spirit of despair. Church, when you are in despair, when you are depressed, when you are worried, when you are anxious, what is the the position of your body? What's your body posture like? Are you standing tall and confident with a big smile on your face? People around you can tell when something is burdening your heart, we wear it in our body posture. He says, you know what? I will remove that heavy burden and spirit of despair and give you this beautiful, light, colorful garment is what it says. A garment of praise so that we no longer have to wear that black cloak of despair that God will then remove that from us in his grace and mercy and place upon us this beautiful, colorful garment of praise so we can worship our God. And then finally, he promises that in that, we will then be like those tall, mighty oak trees, no longer hunched over, carrying that mourning and despair, but we have been refreshed with oil. We now have a beautiful a beautiful crown of beauty on our head. We are covered with a beautiful garment of praise, and we are then able to stand like tall, mighty oak trees. But why? Not because of our own efforts, but because God planted us. The planting of the Lord, ultimately, for our blessing, but for his glory. Isn't that awesome? That's what God does for us. That is what we are praying God does for the people of Hawaii. That God shows them, even in the early days of this tragedy, as they still wrap their minds around what is happening. Lauren and Ben shared that because they're right in the midst of it, they truly, most of the people there, don't understand the worldwide impact, the, the, the coverage outside of Hawaii on the news and the amount of people praying. They, they will, but right now, they're just trying to make sense of right, and gain perspective of what just happened. Whether or not they've lost everything, people have lost people they know houses, people that have been burned badly and flown to other hospitals and, and all the stuff that you've been hearing about. But yet, in the midst of all that, we pray that the people there will know that God can still be trusted and that there's only true hope in him because God is the God of restoration. God is the one who builds life out of death and destruction. That's what our God does.
And so as we pray, continue to pray for the Christians on the islands of Hawaii, especially Maui. We're praying for our our son-in-law and our daughter. We're praying for the people they work with, all the people in their church, Hope Chapel, their um, friends around that island, all of the true believers on that island as they pray. We pray they would have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, to share that hope they have within them with others, right? Because yes, people need food and water and clothes and shelter. People need electricity. They need cell phone service. They need to be connected with their loved ones. They somehow eventually need to get a new car and they need to find work somewhere. Think about all of the thousands of people that are not only homeless but out of work now in that heavily touristed town. They need to know our God. And it is the Christians that are on the ground there that are going to bring it to them. So we pray that God opens those doors because hearts are ready, church. When we know that from our own lives, that when we're desperately in despair, we are ready for that hope. And those who are yet believers are ready to hear the gospel. So just please be encouraged that there are many, many believers there in uh, Hawaii that are helping in very practical ways around the clock, but they are also sharing the good news of Jesus. A couple of last things before we um, close our time together. We know that Jesus, the fulfillment of these promises, he says, will mend the brokenhearted, preach the good news and bring comfort, bring freedom to those that are captive to sin. This is what Jesus came to do. Inevitably, we know we're going to experience suffering and mourning in our lives when we lose loved ones, we lose our jobs, when we perhaps lose battles with health issues. We remember that God is with us, especially during those times. The Psalms tell us that he is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. We can rest assured that God not only comes alongside of us during these great times of tragedy, but he is already there with us. He brings life from death. It was Jesus' death that brought us life. I end where I began. That young man, Henry, whose parents were killed in the great tragedy of war during the early days of the kingdom of Hawaii, who when he was 10 got on a ship that went to a land that was unknown to him with people he had never met and landed in Connecticut of all places and began to learn the things of the world and began to be discipled and witnessed to and taught about Jesus. And he came to faith, and from that point on as a young man until he died unexpectedly, he prayed a fervent prayer that Hawaii would receive the good news of the gospel and the hope that it brings. He didn't get to see it, but generations after did. So we continue in that legacy of prayer for the people of Hawaii now as they undergo this great trial, we know that God is the God who 
will bring beauty from their ashes. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray together. <clears throat> um, after I pray, we conclude our time. I want you to know that um, Claudia is going to be leading a time of prayer um, down in our conference room, just down the hall on the left. If you're able to stay, even for a few minutes, but as long as you can, I would ask that you would join her as she prays specifically through these things for uh, the people in Maui. And uh, if you can pray with her, take the time to do that. Uh, if you can, or even if you cannot afterwards, continue, please, to pray along with us. Go to our website and see that information that I meant. It also should be in your inbox. It was emailed out this morning. But we thank you for your prayers already, for your continued support, and may we remember always the hope that we have in Jesus. That truly is what we need to walk away from here remembering, that there is hope because God brings it. And he is the one, right, who brings life from death. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, how grateful we are that in times in our life, Lord, when we have experienced loss, the loss of a loved one or a job or something, Lord God, that has befell us, that we struggle with, God, we know that we can turn to you. But God, we also are honest with you and real with ourselves and each other that it's not always easy, God. They're as simple as that, especially when we are in the depths of despair. But God, yet we know you are still real, you are still true, and you are still our God. That You are a God who can be trusted because you are there in the midst of the storms of our life. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to turn towards you during difficult times and not away. And then, Lord, use us. Use us to be a blessing of help and hope to others around us during those times in other people's lives. Coworkers, friends, family members, people that live near us in our communities. God, may we represent you well. And through it all, God, we want to be known as people of prayer. God, move us through your spirit to pray often, to pray, as your word says, without ceasing, to pray in the power of the spirit, to pray with expectation that you would do amazing things because you are an amazing God. And through it all, we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we say thank you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, church. Lord bless you. Lord bless you.